Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hope Cast from Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. I am David Dwight, and I'm joined by Katie Nielsen today. Hi, everybody. You have uh, perhaps heard us together on the Hopecast in the past, and the Hopecast is conversations about life and faith uh, from Hope in Richmond. And today we're going to try to go to a next level in the topic of um, sort of the next generation. Yeah. When it comes to faith, religion, mm-hmm. uh, some of what's happening in demographics and all that kind of jazz. Katie is our sort of resident expert in this area. She leads our student ministry area, whole bunch of high school and middle school students, which we're so grateful for all the vibrance and the energy and all that that high schoolers and middle schoolers bring. Um, How about if we start, Katie, you're just coming off of Winter Weekend, which is an annual retreat that takes all the middle and high schoolers Mm -hmm, uh, up mm -hmm. to a place called North Bay in Maryland Mm -hmm. for a weekend. And all the reports and testimonies from the weekend are that Mm -hmm. it was incredible. Um, What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so these weekends are so special and they kind of feel like, um, which we also design it as a way for a student to kind of pop out of your kind of like normal world that's full of school and sports and expectations and uh, Snapchat and TikTok and all these things. Well, what if we um, kind of took a moment which it's literally just 48 hours. It's over three days, but it's only 48 hours, which is wild what we can pack into um, time like that. It kind of actually like feels a gift from God that he can do so much it's within like a high concentration yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we take students and invite them into uh, something that doesn't feel like their normal world and uh, just kind of provide space space for them to have fun with their friends, um, to eat chicken nuggets, um, to dance, to have fun, to uh, be brave and go on a giant swing or climb a rock wall or do a ropes course, but also embed them into um, worship and teaching and small group leaders that care about them and um, are willing to listen to their big questions they have and their moments they have where they experience who God is. And so, yeah, it's just there's story after story about what God did as a group of like 350 people, but there's also like 350 different stories um, that can be told about um, what God was doing, what he's up to um, this next generation, um, is I'm so encouraged. I love Gen Z. They're the best. (laughs) I want to talk talk about that in a a minute, Mm because I think that's important. Um, But I have one or two more questions first. Like, what do you see happen? Mm -hmm. What do you experience happens? Mm Um, from Friday departure day till like Saturday night Mm -hmm. or Sunday morning Mm -hmm. when everybody's been all together for this time, what, what happens? What's the like 
transformation or the change or talk about that. Yeah. I, what we kind of hope it's different for a kid who this is their winter weekend. They know kind of what they're expecting, what they bring in, uh, what they know, how the weekend rolls. Um, That's a kid who's experienced with this and has yes. done it before. And uh-huh. so they're kind of, they bring their own expectations in, which our theme this year kind of beautifully um, helped guide a kid when their expectations weren't met. Mm-hmm. Um, to provide space for that, even like some disappointment um, in what you were hoping the weekend would be. Um, but then there's also the kid who this is their first thing with us. Um, and so they so walk there are in. Like some students who are coming on this retreat. Yeah. All these kids, all this energy, yes. and it's like the first time they've ever had a home yes. church experience of any kind. Yes. Um, like I met a junior girl. She's like, I know nobody in this hallway. There's 300 people. And I'm like, oh, come on. Let me let me introduce you to some of my friends, and, and they'll be your leaders. And was she brave enough to sign so up brave. and come, or yes. did a friend invite her? She was brave enough. Wow. Signed up on her own. Heard about it. She had nobody, no I friend. I would have been terrified when I was that age to yeah. do that. Yeah. So to just kind of encourage her, like, wow, there must be something for you here this weekend. Mm. Um, so um, we're going to pay attention with you. And if you pay attention, um, we think this weekend could be so encouraging to you. And, um, yeah, to be able to introduce her to a small group that's like, oh, yeah, hey, come on, come on. And the fact that, you know, there's 20 of these girls that are like, oh, yeah, you're just you sit right here. You sit next to me. And so you watch maybe someone like her come in with a little bit of timidness. And as they kind of step through the weekend, you start to see um, the best word I have for it, like freedom emerge. Um, Freedom from... Uh, what they, the kind of persona they think they should have, um, freedom to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. um, a freedom to experience something they've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so they, uh, by Sunday morning, um, you can kind of see the group as well, just as a little bit more of who they truly are. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they are a little more free than when they came in on Friday. So when I'm listening to that, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like there's a there's a like a really warm spirit mm-hmm. of sort of inclusiveness and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have described my memories of middle and high school <laughs> as like really warm spirited and inclusive. Yeah, yeah. It's so clicky. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so insecure. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so wanting to be in the in group. Yeah. Everybody's so concerned what everybody thinks about them. Yeah. And so it kind of fosters this clicky exclusionary mindset. You're describing something that sounds different than that. Yeah, it, and it feels very different. And I think one of the one things I can pinpoint of why it exists is um, the small group leaders and the mm. adults in the room that care about each kid mm. and don't have, um, they don't waver on, well, I'm going to like this kid, but I actually don't really like that kid. Mm. Uh, students pick up on that. And that's kind of like part of where maybe, well, I don't know where I stand, but when so a small, small group, group leader. leaders create a tone. Yes. And as leaders. Yes. They're creating a tone of we're loving on yes. everybody and anybody yes. kind of equally. Yeah. Everybody's and it, welcome. And it Every creates story a matters. culture for the weekend. Yes. And so it creates culture for the group. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, like, there's a side of me that thinks, okay, if you're a teenager, 
and you experience that, yeah. you'd be like, this is so great. It's so life-giving. It's so freeing. But the fact of the matter is we're probably going to get back home oh, and yeah. revert back into <laughs> yeah. the insecurity patterns. Yeah. Yeah. What happens with that? Yeah. And I think that kind of was a touch point to our theme this year on our way. Um, we looked at the life of Peter and just how, um, you know, the life of faith isn't like a straight line up. Um, it's never been depicted like that in scripture. It's always been um, when you kind of hear Jesus talk about faith and when you even watched him, how he lived out his faith, he was always journeying. He was always walking somewhere. And um, so kind of to model that to our students that, yeah, uh, like Peter, there may be moments where you get kind of sucked back into um, what's going on all around you. Um, But that does not disqualify you at all from the faith or even being a leader inside the faith. And so you can hold both things at the same time. Right. And so a student can uh, get sucked back into their world and they can also grow their faith. That those, what happens at winter weekend does not need to remain in isolation. It's just a little bit of a glimpse of, um, oh, I could actually do that um, two months from now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. feel like that. So Quick little sidebar. Yeah. So the theme was Mm -hmm. the life of Peter. Yeah. I'm aware that Thrive, Hope's Women's Mm -hmm. Ministry, is doing a study on the life of Peter. Yeah. And we have a sermon series coming up after Mm -hmm. Easter that's on the life of Peter. I'm not aware that there were intentional efforts to coordinate no. all those. Are you? No. Do you know what happened last year, too? No. The sermon series after Winter Weekend last year was the same as the theme. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we try to coordinate yeah. stuff around Hope when we can, but this is the, we, we did not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, Gen Z. Mm-hmm. You said you love this generation. Yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit about this generation, faith. Mm. We don't use the word religion around here a mm, lot, mm-hmm. but for the sake of almost some demographic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wording, let's, let's use it. Yeah. Let's talk about this generation, faith, religion, um, what's going on with this generation. Yeah. I was actually reading, right before I got here, I was reading this um, little blurb from an author that I really like. Um, his name is Matt Haig. He's uh, wrote The Midnight Library. If you've heard of it, that's a really popular book. Um, a couple years ago, he has a new book out. But he was just mentioning, uh, he said, yeah, like um, optimism was for uh, the 90s kid, yearning is for today's generation. Interesting. That we are people of yearning. And uh, that's what kind of where we've moved to. And yeah, so that kind of feels true that this generation is yearning for something, for impact, um, for connection. Um, they, there's almost this um, inner need and desire yearning for something um, beyond them. And so I think that's why we see students um, hear the gospel of Jesus and they're like, that's it, because they've been yearning for it, maybe without having words to like name their yearn, but okay, so Jesus you, fills it. Yeah. So I have to jump in on that. Mm-hmm. That's it. W- what's the it? That's it. Like you're saying, these students are saying, that's it. 
What, oh, what yeah. is in Jesus yeah. that is the it, that's <laughs> it for them? Yeah, the, I think it's a really big encompassing it. It's forgiveness. It's purpose. <clears throat> it's meaning. It's grace. Um, the ability for them to be loved mm. um, as they are, as a human, mm-hmm. um, to yearn to be known and seen um, and still wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Um, what do you think about just sort of the studies you mm-hmm. could read in general? Yeah. A lot of people will have heard of them that sort of say younger people aren't interested in religion. Mm. Younger people are turning away from religion and the church in droves. What's your take on all that? I think this generation um, wants more than a survey about their faith life. Mm. So it um, is true, and those stats are real. But I am more interested in, well, if I actually sat down with them and asked a little couple more probing questions, what that survey captures might be very different than what their answer is. Mm-hmm. That it's like, well, do you identify as this, 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 this nomination, this here? They may not be able to answer you on that, but they may be able to answer you. Well, I, um, I do pray. I don't really know what it means. I have these thoughts about God, but it doesn't feel like it fits. So what do I do with that? If it doesn't fit what I think the category should be, then I'll just say I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I want to hold that um, idea as and those statistics as valid, mm-hmm. but I don't want to miss a generation who is really, really thinking about and coming to um, life in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may not look like their parents or their grandparents' verbiage of how that is. I can't help but think, to some degree, every generation who authentically seeks Jesus is going to do that Mm -hmm. with some uniqueness Mm -hmm. of expression Mm -hmm. that belongs to that generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You you commented, it sort of got my attention, you commented that, you know, like this generation doesn't really want to be the result of a survey. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know about you. I just feel like I have survey fatigue in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything is a survey. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like pump yes. your gas and the gas uh, pump wants a, ra- a five uh, rating like, for how the gas came out yeah. of the pump. I- I'm just weary of it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Um, not in a like, you know, ticked off way. I just mean, and truly, I'm just yeah. fatigued by it. I mean, everything is a rating and a survey. Mm -hmm. But also, I think in the last few years, with a lot of attention to ethnic questions, Mm -hmm. you know, in the college world, it's like affirmative action. I'm also sort of tired about being surveyed on race and demographics and Mm -hmm. ethnicity. I'm just like, I just want to check the box that says I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we love people best if we Mm -hmm. just check the box because we're all human beings. Mm Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this kind of stuff a little bit in the past, but generations will always have their unique aspects. But human beings, I think it's <laughs> fair to say, will always have some of the same core elements. Yeah. yeah. 
every human being longs to be loved. Yes. Every human being longs to be accepted. If we could get a little bit of like admiration mm. thrown in, we'd all love that. But like love and acceptance, mm-hmm. every human being longs mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. I think that crosses any culture I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. I think it crosses any generation or any ethnicity. I think it's true of every human being. Mm-hmm. So if we just start looking at each other, if I look at a 17-year-old, if I walk into the lodge and there's student ministry going on, there's a bunch of students in there, and I look at them and say, this is a whole bunch of people who long to be loved and accepted, mm-hmm. right? Now, here's an interesting thought. Um, they could also look at me <laughs> and say, there's David Dwight, if they mm-hmm. know that I'm senior pastor of Hope Church. There's a guy that longs to be loved and accepted. Yeah. That's true at any mm-hmm. level of any person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of beautiful stuff happens if we all connect, relate, appreciate each other at that mm-hmm. baseline common level. Mm-hmm. Do you agree I, with that? Yeah, and I that? think what's so great about teenagers, like uh, no matter the generation of a teenager, is uh, they're not afraid to say that. They're not afraid to kind of like take down to the facade at some point yeah. and be like, yeah. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel included. It feels um, like I'm not loved. And so to be able, which as an adult, you kind of like lose that part of you. You feel like you have to have it all together. You have to be like, no, but for a teenager, they're just, uh, they're not going to kind of like shadow their life like that. And so, uh, which is kind of one of the great places where we get to see um, the unfiltered view of that. Well, they'll filter their lives on TikTok and Snapchat and all that. They'll filter it there on the internet. But if you were to talk to them in person, rarely do you get a filter. If you show up in the space, showing them that you care. Can you say a little bit about filtered lives yeah. on social media, yeah. Yeah. but not mm-hmm. in person? Yeah. Say more about that. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, they cognitively know what's on the internet is not always true. But the amount of how much it comes into their world, it's like, of course, it's going to change your perception of what's true or what's real or what's perfect or what you should be. Because you're just consuming information all the time. You're consuming these images all the time. But if you were to push them or ask them, they know. They're very aware. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, like, I shouldn't want what that influencer wants, but it's just so difficult because it's all coming at them um, 24-7. And even if they try, right, to kind of put some boundaries around it, well, to do schoolwork, you got to get on the internet. Um, And so it's just kind of always right there, ready um, to kind of distract them, to grab their attention. We talked over this weekend, um, kind of the first night was, um, you know, what is your attention worth? And based off of um, like the Super Bowl ads, your 30 seconds of attention is worth, what what was it, $7 million? A lot of money. And so um, their attention is you know, uh, valuable. But um, our speaker, Leslie, just said, well, 
what's actually worth your attention. Oh, wow. That's a great spin. Yeah. And so she's asked them that Friday night, hey, that's what we want you to start thinking about this weekend as you go tonight. What's actually worth your attention? That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the what's your attention worth Mm -hmm. and what's worth your attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. A couple podcasts back, a little while back, we were talking a little bit about millennials. Mm, And I have a memory of saying... Yeah. <laughs> I have a memory of saying one thing that I appreciate. Again, we talked about the risk of overgeneralizing mm-hmm. by generations. Yeah. But one thing that I appreciate about a lot of millennials I know is um, my experience has been that there's a, there's a pretty high degree of sincerity. Mm. Um, like not a lot of um, sort of sarcastic, dismissive mm. banter. Mm a little higher on sincerity. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we're talking about Gen Z's Mm -hmm, and we're mm -hmm. talking about yearning. Yeah. Um, So when you think about uh, like 300 kids on this retreat, Mm -hmm. they're all Gen Z's and you say you're excited about the future. Yeah. um, Let's turn the clock ahead. (laughs) Let's go 20 years. Yeah. Okay. So a 17 year old is 37. Mm -hmm. What is today's excitement about the future for this generation? What could you see it looking like in 20 years? It's hmm. a great question. I'll give you more time to think yeah. about it. We talk a lot at Hope about the importance of investing in the next generation. Mm-hmm. We say, I've said many times, it only goes one way, right? right? So the future belongs to the younger generations. Yeah. So if we're not really paying attention mm-hmm. to or investing in the younger generations, I think we're making a huge mistake. Um, so we have invested a lot mm-hmm. uh, with staff, with facilities, mm-hmm. with programming, and it's a joy yeah. and a mark of our church to some mm-hmm. degree. And we're not mm-hmm. the only ones who have done that. Um, but we definitely have said investing in the younger generations is, uh, is a really important mm-hmm. value around hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was to give you more time to think about what is 20 years from now look like? Yeah, I think it's, uh, the ownership over, um, what does church look like and the almost, uh, bravery, uh, that this generation has to flex, um, and, to try again and to um, say, we didn't get it right. Let's try again, which is kind of uh, in our world, how uh, you and Pete have built hope, but it's very rare that that's kind of, um, it wouldn't be more rigid. Well, this is how we've always done it. This is kind of how it rolls. I think uh, there'll be a lot of expressions of um, what the church is. I think there'll be, um, parents who seek um, community and um, a passing on of the faith um, rather than an obligation. Um, Yeah, I just see a generation that will be um, listening to how God is building the church next and will have the courage to fulfill it. Do you think... uh for, again, I don't know why I'm just picking 17 as an age mm. I'm identifying. Yeah. <laughs> you hear a lot of the. I hear a lot of this um, in observations about the church. 
about sort of the style or the way mm-hmm. churches present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, churches probably have their style and the way they mm-hmm. present themselves, and then they probably have the the less visible cultural vibe yeah. of a church. Um, and, you know, the, the way you present yourself is probably, that requires a little more work, right? That's mm-hmm. your programming. Mm-hmm. That's even things like facilities and mm-hmm. how you do worship services and all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think matters hmm. to today's 17-year-old when it comes to church? Is it the visible formats and styles? Hmm. Or is it invisible things like the culture and the value Mm. of the place? I would probably lean more towards the invisible. The the kind of what is um, coming off of whatever visible they can see. So the leadership of the church, what happens is this to... um, gain some sort of quota, or is this a group of people who are authentically um, running after God's heart? And Mm -hmm. this is an expression of how we do that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I think they will um, join up again, join with, and they'll kind of bristle against the like, uh, we're doing this to kind of like meet a number. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, is that person or Mm -hmm. pastor... Um, fully human, but fully pursuing who God is. Mm. Um, and yeah, they don't want perfection. Mm. They want, yeah, an authentic um, person in front of them that says like, oh yeah, you can have ups and downs, but there's something about this gospel of Jesus that we can't shake, that has changed us, that ha- uh, keeps moving us towards love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're hoping is true. Mm-hmm. Is it true that Jesus changes everything? Mm-hmm. And when they meet leaders in a church that is saying, yes, mm-hmm. it's true. Mm-hmm. We don't really know mm-hmm. how but we trust it fully, you know, <laughs> uh, that it, we don't have to be all buttoned up weak, but we can sure be confident in who God is. You know, I'm just listening to you and um, Pete Boel and I recorded a podcast <laughs> recently. I don't know if it'll air before or after this one, but we're talking a lot about feeling fortunate mm. um, and 26 and a half years of hope we've seen the composition of the staff of hope mm-hmm. one grow get get bigger and two uh, people have come they've been on our staff for a time moved to other things so you see some turnover and transition but what's striking me and w- for people who are listening we had staff meeting today it's a wednesday and that's when we have all staff mm-hmm. together it's a bunch of people in the circle um, there were stories about the retreat and i thought to myself I think everybody, <laughs> as far as I know, all the different personalities, all the different departments, all the different jobs, all the different things we do, I think everybody is captivated by the mm-hmm. gospel. Yes. And man, if you are fortunate enough to have a staff <laughs> where everybody's like 
captivated, like so <laughs> grateful, uh, so thankful to Christ for who He is and what He's done for us. Um, man, how fortunate. Yeah. It felt true in one of those ways that I can't explain how, but uh, I forget it was either um, Carl Friedman or Pete Bowell who said in that staff meeting, even though most of us in this room weren't there, by the stories that were told, it all feels like we were a part of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's something to that, that these stories that um, get shared about Winter Weekend or um, on our staff, it does feel like, oh, this is... This is Christ's, yeah. and we get to be a part of it. Yeah. So when I share the story, or if you have a story about someone and that gets told, it's, yeah, the ownership is not over a person. It's like Jesus yeah, yeah. owns that story, and somehow uh, we can all connect into it, and it feels like, oh, yeah, this is the kingdom. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really encouraging. Um, okay, question, consideration for you. Um, and then I have a question for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you look at history, um, the the way life worked for people, this may be just an f- absolutely foolish thing to say, but I'm just going to take a crack at it. <laughs> the way life worked for people didn't change that much until about 1800. 1850, like transportation, communication, Mm -hmm. information, it it pretty much all happened more or less the same way. You know, you're talking horseback and you're talking all kinds of stuff like this. And then you begin to get things like communication. Mm -hmm. I mean, this sounds like ancient history to some people, but you're talking about like Alexander Graham Bell and the telephone line, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the beginning yeah. of what we have in the internet. Yeah. That's the beginning yeah. of communication in a whole new way. Yeah. Then you begin to have uh, cars mm-hmm. in place of horses. You then begin to have airplanes. Mm-hmm. This stuff is coming along in the 1900s. Then you have things like communication outlets, like radios, TVs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's coming along in the 1900s. So the change... Is happening rapidly. I'm going to pick 1850 moving forward. Great. Okay. So, like, I can only imagine that pretty much every generation of parents Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. has had a little bit of a sense of, ooh, it's a different world Mm -hmm. to raise kids Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. I'm certain my parents said that when I was a little kid. Yeah. I know we said that when our kids Mm -hmm. now in their 30s were little kids. You've got young children. Mm-hmm. Um, so what y- you're you're a mom, you've got kids. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. not teenage kids, but mm-hmm. what would you say to parents mm. who feel a little daunted yeah. about the challenges of of raising kids in mm-hmm. today's environment? Yeah, well, the first thing is just to name that. It's never been harder to be a teenager than it has been until 2024. Like, mm-hmm. it's never been harder to be a teenager. Um, but it's also never been harder to parent a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so if it feels really hard to parent a teenager right now, you are not alone. And mm-hmm. that is true. Mm-hmm. It's never been harder. Um, alongside of that is I think there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of... Um, 
community that can be built upon that, a lot of coming together, um, and that it doesn't have to happen in isolation or parent in isolation. Um, I think we have the gift of having teenagers be such a huge part of um, Hope Church that uh, when I think about it, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, my six-year-old small group leader on Sunday is 16, and she's amazing. And mm -hmm. so I get to see <laughs> that through Ellie's eyes mm. when um, she like gets to beam. I just want to I want to, you know? I want to call the attention of parents here for a minute. Yeah, here's our director of student ministries, who leads sixteen year olds <laughs> who are leading her daughter. Yes, yes. talk about how you yes. get the full circle yes. picture of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a fun detail too. One of our small group leaders, um, Jess, her um, sixth grade girls now that she currently leads, when they are sophomores. So uh, inside our student ministry, when you're a sophomore, you can now lead back down in sixth grade. You can become a small group leader for sixth grade. They will be her daughter's sophomore leaders. <laughs> and she just like started to get so teary-eyed. Like mm -hmm. I'm pouring into these sixth grade girls knowing that in four or five years, they will pour into my daughter. Yeah. And that I think is when Jesus said, go to the ends of the earth, this right. thing will ripple effect like you, no other, like you won't believe. Um, but a question I have for you okay. is a question we asked our uh, leaders who did a video for us winter weekend. We asked them, um, how do you see the hope of the gospel in this next generation? Like, what would you want to say um, if you could kind of look at those um, students, uh, the ones that come on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., but also beyond, what would you want to say to them as we kind of close our time? Um, first, I have a little bit of like a swell of emotion mm. with that. Um, I think I would want to say... Um, you are a child of God. Mm -hmm. This is a completely true reality yeah. that God has made reality, and nobody can make reality better than God makes mm -hmm. reality. Nobody can make something true more than God can make it true. Mm -hmm. uh, so God has expressed his love to you through Jesus Christ. Um, and in Christ, we fully, truly are children of God. Mm. So our identity is secure. Mm. Uh, our failures are secure yeah. in His forgiveness and in His love. And, um, and we can rest in that. And on the one hand, I'm like, I think you would say that to anybody at any age, right? <laughs> right. But teenage years are frequently turbulent. Mm -hmm. There's just a mm -hmm. lot of emotion and a lot of turbulence, a lot of insecurity, a lot of trying to figure out who are we, where do I fit? And all of that is challenging uh, to navigate. So if we can like rest, you are a child of God. Yeah. And his love for you is unchanging, always pursuing you, yeah. bringing you forgiveness, calling you home again. Um, all of that 
man, if I knew that when I was a teenager, that would have helped me a lot. Mm. Um, it's beautiful. I, I've often thought um, God, I, 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 I've thought this, I don't know that I've said it, so I probably won't say it well. Um, God is the only place, the only person where you can absolutely, completely, vulnerably, Hmm. in rampant trust, give every bit of you. And you will be completely safe in doing that. I don't know that I can think of any other Hmm. uh, way that a human being can, with complete lack of of concern for protecting yourself, give yourself in absolute vulnerability and not be at risk Mm -hmm. of some Mm -hmm. version of harm. Um, We live in a fallen world and human beings, the best of them are still human beings. God is the one, the one place, the one person, the one reality where you can give absolutely all of yourself unprotected and he is completely trustworthy with that. Mm, and that is the good news. <laughs> Such Incredible good news. news. Yeah. All right, friends. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're going to wrap up today's conversation. Thanks to Katie. Uh, thanks, everybody. If any of you guys are students out there and you happen to be listening to this, we're just really excited for you. And if you were on the winter weekend, um, really, really excited for all that you experienced. So if you would like to continue to join us on the Hopecast, we're on the podcast platforms that you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube as well. And if you want to check out more about Hope Church in Richmond, you can find us on the web at hopechurchrva.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye.